Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Hello, everybody. Welcome to GradCast. I know you guys had a special two days ago, but we have another special. And this one's even more special because it's for a holiday that actually matters. Today is Louis Riel Day, not Valentine's Day. Today, we have Trevor Phillips here who works for Indigenous Services. Yeah, that's right. Coming to talk about good old Louis Riel. Good old Louis Riel, that's right. So let's tell me a little bit more about yourself. About myself or about Louis Riel? Let's start with you. Let's we'll start get to with Louis me later. we'll get to Louis Riel. Well, what me and Louis Riel have in common is we're both Métis. And uh, I'm from the prairies. I'm from Alberta, the central Alberta, off the North Saskatchewan watershed. That's where I come from. That's my home. I am down here in southern Ontario working for Western and Indigenous Services as a youth outreach coordinator. So my job is basically to run programming on campus for Indigenous youth in the southern Ontario region. We, uh, we put together programs, athletic programs, academic programs, and we work with partners in the community to, to bring uh, Indigenous youth onto campus to introduce them to the post-secondary education, introduce to the post-secondary climate and community, and we let them know that this is a safe place for them and that it's accessible. Uh, I'm currently doing my PhD uh, in English literature, indigenous literature, specifically Métis masculinities. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's a crazy thing. Uh, what you're doing for the Native students is amazing. Yeah. Um, real quick question, because um, the show goes out to the world. And if you're not Canadian, you might not know. So what what is Métis? That's a really, really huge question. (laughs) I think I get asked that question quite a bit. I think people from my community and from the Métis Nation get asked that question quite a bit because it's very confusing. Uh, There's a short answer and there's a long answer. But I think the most succinct answer, if we're going to try to marry the two, is uh, that uh, Métis people are a distinguished, distinguished and identifiable uh, part of the indigenous spectrum of identity. So they're constitutionally recognized as Aboriginal under the First Nations Métis and Inuit spectrum. That's, the, that's, to me, the most succinct and short answer. Métis, and a more complicated, sophisticated idea, is basically um, a combination of indigenous and European European uh, ancestry and genealogy. Um, it becomes even more convoluted and, uh, as you go and look at the different areas and regions. But from where I'm from, particularly those who live off the North Saskatchewan watershed come from the Red River diaspora, which is the Red River in Manitoba, southern Manitoba. And typically, Métis from that region were considered to be uh, French or Scottish fur traders who have um, married or um, mixed with uh, Cree, Saltu, Ojibwe, um, Blackfoot, uh, Lakota, Nakota, anybody in that region. And it was, uh, they congregated in settlements off the river, trading settlements. And that's how the Métis established themselves as an identifiable culture that is both uh, not particularly indigenous, not particularly European, but somewhere in between. Okay, so so um, as an average myself, I'm, I'm a Mi'kmaq, if the viewers don't know. Um, I know my heritage kind of is Atlantic Canada, right? It's Newfoundland and the Atlantic provinces is the, the general region where you'll find a Mi'kmaq population. Mm-hmm. Um, is there like a geographical kind of uh, space that, you know, you, you will, the Aboriginal people in that space will be necessarily Métis? 
Yeah, particularly the Red River. Manitoba has the largest uh, concentration of Métis people specifically. Louis Riel um, is the founder of Manitoba. Well, that's what they call him is his nickname. He was basically put into action uh, establishing uh, Manitoba as a province inside of Rupert's Land when he was out there wreaking havoc. So yeah, um, southern Manitoba specifically, and then the diaspora reaches out from there. And it can go as far west as about Jasper, Alberta, and as far east as um, like Timmins, Ontario. You'll see a large contingent of Francophone Métis in that area. Um, there's a lot of confusion about uh, the identity of Métis people. Some people think that Métis just means mixed. Anybody of mixed ancestry is Métis. That's not necessarily accurate. Uh, Métis people are distinguishedly are distinguished by the Red River diaspora, by fur trading, and by that movement across Canada, east and west, via water systems. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Um, it's a it's a really easy conflation to make because yeah. of uh, Métis where it directly translates to mixed. Yeah. And also, the large, if you look like Latin American populations, a large majority of them are uh, mestizo, which it means, which is translates to it. I can see why the mistake would be made. Absolutely. And so, you, as you said, much of them, they speak French? Yeah, actually, the, the distinct language of the Métis people is Machif, which is a mix of Cree, English, and French. Well, predominantly Cree and French. There's some English maneuvering in there as well, but predominantly it's, uh, it's French and, and Cree, and it's called Machif. Do you speak it? No, I don't. There's not too many people who do, and nobody in my family spoke it. Um, they spoke um, different forms of Cree. Baby Cree, we call it, for those who didn't speak it into adulthood or didn't speak it fluently. I have memories members of, um, you know, extended members of my family who can speak it generally, not necessarily fluently, though some of it was their first language they ever spoke, but no, I, I don't speak Machif or know anybody who does, to be honest. Yeah, and that's similar to me. I don't know anybody who speaks the native tongue of Mi'kmaq. Um, in my situation, we only just recently in the last decade got recognized as, um, you know, recognized by Aboriginal Affairs that we are Aboriginal because we're technically landless. We don't have any reserves or anything like that. So it, become, it became a really dicey issue for them. Um, so did you grow up on a reserve, just out of curiosity? No, I didn't. I, I was born and raised in West Edmonton. I spent a, a period of time in my life living in a Métis town, uh, predominantly Métis town called Callahoo, Alberta, and that's about 35 miles northwest of the city of Edmonton. But no, I didn't grow up on the res, nor did I live on a Métis settlement. Um, in fact, uh, I was sort of, the, the benefit of having a white uh, great-grandfather is that it kept my grandfather and his siblings out of the residential schools. So we avoided a lot of the, um, you know, the, the larger and traumatic effects of colonialism in those ways. And, and uh, by extension of that, I grew up in an urban setting. All right. Uh, to ask a little bit more on the whole Métis identity. Mm -hmm. So I know that um, in French culture, uh, ethnic identity is m identified mostly by the language you speak. Okay. Um, and also in native cultures, it's typically about the land you live on, so mm -hmm. the, the location you live, and that kind of identifies a lot in your linguistic group. Yeah. Um, that kind of riding the West, uh, Western culture and native culture that the Métis obviously have to do a dance with, how does that, um, how does that play out in like Métis culture? I think that's a really large question, but I think more accurately you see it in uh, our music, uh, specifically uh, the types of fiddle that we play and the types of dance that we have. Um, our language too plays that out a little bit. Um, like I said, I use the phrase Francophone Métis or Anglo Métis. Um, I would be considered what is Anglo Métis or uh, cottage born, and Anglo Métis were typically farmers before they were um, um, 
anything else. That was mostly their vocation. Some were fur traders, some weren't, but most had a had a fixed position. So when you when you when you ask the question, um, how how do you separate the linguistic difference from the geographical difference? I, I think that in taking into consideration a large context of Métis identity, they come into play um, in sort of disparate but nuanced ways. Like people will strongly identify with their um, their francophone. Um, side, if that's where they come from, and like predominantly Louis Riel, Gabriel Dumont, these are the the large sort of patriarchs of Métis, uh, the Métis nation. Um, that that's almost like Métis royalty. So when people look back into their genealogy to try to find um, linkages like that, you know, it's important to look for that French last name too, right? Um, it's funny for me. I always say, not we're not French royalty. We weren't. We weren't out there mixing it up with everybody else. We, we liked our crops and we liked our horses and that was the way we kept it. So um, my particular line is a humble line anyway. Okay, so um, let's talk about the man of the day. Today, let's pretend that it's not February 10th or pretend it's February 16th. And it's Louis Riel Day. Yeah. Tell us more about this, this, this man, the man who founded, well, the man who uh, met the... If I were to name all of the Métis people I knew, it would begin and end with Louis Riel. So, what? Like he's like the most identifiable Métis yeah. person in history. Yeah. Let's get like the five-minute biography. The fi- the elevator speech by Louis Riel. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, I think I feel like I could talk all day about that. Have you ever seen the Riel movie from 1979? This little campy production that the CBC put together. Probably in school. Yeah. <laughs> William Shatner's in it. Uh, he plays he plays a bar uh, 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 like a kiosk salesman. Um, uh, Christopher Plummer plays John A. McDonald. It's a hilarious, uh, a hilarious uh, take on the events of the, the Northwest Rebellion, the Red River Rebellion. But who and what is uh, Louis Riel? Uh, it's mixed when you go. It's mixed, Métis. It, it, when you go back into the opinions of of who and what Louis Riel is, it's so disparate. Um, he was at first an intellectual and an academic. He went east to study. Um, when he came back to um, the Red River area, Saint Boniface, where he was born, he found that the Métis culture had grown into ways he never thought possible. It became so um, eclectic and diverse, and he was struggling to comprehend that. What he did notice right away is that with the struggle between the French and the English and the different peoples that were coming in that area and the larger stakes that play in Rupert's land, he was basically like, hey, we need to establish some sort of protection for Métis people. Um, he, he started a provisional government. Uh, he was the, the spearhead for the Red River Rebellion, and when he got booted out of there, when, when McDonald sent the military and chased everybody out of there and he kind of went into exile, he spent most of his time on uh, spiritual journeys, and actually for a period of time was committed to uh, an insane asylum because he was suffering from severe mental exhaustion like he was uh, he was a really um, sort of mysterious enigmatic but also at the same time a um, a, a figurehead of the Métis movement, um, at, at least in establishing some sort of justification for Métis people having right and uh, to land claims. Um, when he did come back to Canada at the insistence of people like Gabriel Dumont, who was his uh, general in, in for the Métis uh, provisional government that he had formed, um, he was adamant at trying to establish some sort of um, legitimate claim to that area of, of Canada, that area of the province, and as it would as it would go, um, despite help from different uh, indigenous um, chiefs and leaders and and, uh, and warriors and the Métis fighters themselves, Louis Riel was put down by the Canadian government, and he was eventually hanged for treason. Um, but he was convicted of a jury of six um, Protestant white uh, judges. So um, he never really got a fair shake. But at the time when they said that he was being, when he was being um, 
executed. It was for the murder of, uh, of another person that happened during the Red River Rebellion. His name was Scott, last name was Scott. Um, he had shot him, or he had ordered for an execution of this man um, that they had caught after a prison break. They said that that was the reason why they were executing Louis Riel, but um, for, for other purposes, it looked like Johnny McDonald wanted to put down any sort of uprising, any sort of thoughts about uh, questioning any land claims in the West as he wanted his railroad to go east to west. Jeez. Yeah, it must be hard because also in London, with its war museum, proudly showing that their brigade went and put down the rebellion. Yeah, and I mean, in, in some circles, in the Northwest Rebellion, the Northwest Resistance, these names are played with all the time. Um, the Métis were vastly outnumbered. Uh, I think uh, in the Northwest Resistance, um, uh, McDonald sent 8,000 men. Um, from what I've read in accounts, there was no more than maybe 700 to 900 Métis, Francophone, English, and French, English, and um, uh, Cree or Lakota or Blackfoot fighters that were, were that were part of it. So yeah, it was uh, it was they were well outnumbered, but they fought. Alrighty. Uh, so how about the story about the fact that we have a holiday for it now? So obviously we've as a country, tried to come around to Louis Riel. Well, so. yeah, Louis Riel Day is not a national holiday. The only province that officially recognizes it as a, uh, a day off as a statutory holiday is uh, Manitoba. Um, but everywhere else, I, I mean, not everywhere else, in some other areas, it's family day, right? That is the holiday. Um, but not everybody gets the stat. Ontario, I believe, is one of the few provinces that actually gets the statutory holiday on the family day. I know Alberta doesn't. But yeah, it's Louis Riel Day. Newfoundland doesn't either. Newfoundland doesn't either. I don't know about Quebec, but uh, Louis Riel uh, Day was picked when they decided that they wanted to um, name this holiday the third Monday in February, and it was voted on by the people of Manitoba, and they chose Louis Riel. And so uh, what was the story about, like, uh, how Louis Riel went from executed criminal to really but today would be considered a national hero? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a question for uh, the mythologists and, the, and the, the people who study Barts and things like that to tell you how um, the truth or the, the fact of a situation can turn into myth and create somebody larger than life, right? Um, you know, you, the, the opinions of Louis Riel, uh, from the people that I've talked to, scholars, um, just enthusiasts, amateur historians, is it's, quite frankly, it's mixed. I mean, it goes from a person who, was, uh, who thought he was the Messiah. He changed his name to Louis David Riel because he thought he was a prophet, that he was going to lead the Métis people to um, this, this great paradise and that he was going to sort of revitalize um, the, the, <laughs> the, right, the rightful place of the Métis among like, the echelon of the great races of the world. So like, he went from sort of uh, kook to martyr, to freedom fighter, to religious disciple, to academic, to historian, to politician. Like, he, he wore many, many, many hats. And I think uh, the, the hats that people like to put on him are the ones they prefer to put on him. Now, now, I could be wrong on this. So, like, the Métis generally, like, in their spiritual lives are generally... Like Catholic, with a lot of native syncretism in it. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that they're predominantly it's Catholic or Protestant. It depends on you know where you, what your line comes from, Anglo or Francophone. Um, but yeah, there's there's aspects of indigenous spiritualities from the multitude of nations that make up that area from you know northern Ontario to western Alberta. And so yeah, you get a lot of mixing in there. I mean, for example. Um, 
one of my one of my good friends. She's Métis. Um, she's Catholic. Um, at her Catholic ceremony, she'll burn sweetgrass instead of incest. Those types of things. Uh, it's a nice mixing of the two, right? So that, that's a, that's a good example of that. And it really depends on the different uh, nation or community of indigenous people in the area. What types of spiritual components will be added into it? Yeah. All right. Uh, what does um, so Louis Riel obviously means a lot to. We've we've now decided that he means a lot to Canadians. Uh, so, who is he to the Métis? I think to the Métis, he is our. I think he's our largest icon. You know, he's he's our freedom fighter. He's our he's our martyr. He's our guy. He's our Archbishop Oscar Romero. He's our Malcolm X. Um, he's our Nelson Mandela. He's that type of. Um, respected cultural icon and I think for a lot of the reasons being he took the most adamant steps towards officially solidifying Métis culture and Métis nationhood um, in the context of uh, the Canadian political schema of the late 19th century he was like, you. he said to John A. Macdonald, you can't build your railroad through here because you have to acknowledge we exist and I think for Métis people who after Louis Riel was, was uh, hanged uh, spent a lot of the time trying to justify their right and their right to occupy land in certain areas because um, as what unfolded in the aftermath of his hanging was that he the, the Métis people were really subjugated to second-tier citizenship. I mean, it was one thing to be a native person at the turn of the 20th century. It was another thing to be a half-breed. And, like, that particular existence, they, were, they weren't given land on reserves. Métis people weren't allowed to live on the reserve. They weren't allowed to live in the cities. Um, the story Maria Campbell, the great Métis author, uh, writer, wrote the book The Road Alliance People because uh, for a lot of period of the time, the Métis just were walking across the road with their wagons and their carts, no money, the lowest of the lowest class. And um, it was Louis' biggest fear. Um, I speak of him like I knew him. But yeah, it was, it was his biggest fear that the Métis people would be without home, and, home or hearth at the end of the day. And that's kind of what happened. Johnny McDonald was successful in nullifying it. I'm curious. Um, so, like, how do the Métis then um, negotiate, or how do they uh, how do they play along with um, with other Native American groups in Canada and the U.S.? Like, uh, I know that Canada has a the large collection where chiefs meet and uh, discuss things, and um, I don't know what the organization's called, sadly, but. Um, like uh, how do how do the Métis fit in with like the greater native of the elders or something like that? Yeah, I so, can't remember the exact name, but yeah. But like how does how does Métis um, Métis nation uh, fit into the politics of uh, modern day Native America? Well, there is the Métis National Council uh, that we have organized. Um, it it play, it's a, it's on the bigger stage. It, it it does have a representative that speaks to the Assembly of First Nations um, and is speaking to the uh, like Sean Atlio, who was a previous. Um, Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. I can't remember the name of the, the person who's just been elected, actually, um, to represent the national chief. But the Métis National Council speaks on behalf of the interests of all Métis people across Canada. Um, there's also provincial representation in two um, in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario. I do not know about Quebec, to be honest, but certainly those provinces, absolutely. And I am a member of the Métis Nation of Alberta. And however, since I've moved to Ontario, I'd have to renew my membership with the provincial government. All right, I have one last question for you too. Mm-hmm. So, three words. Since you work for the Indigenous Services, that's right. You're also a member of the Métis Nation. Mm-hmm. Three words. Idle no more. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about it? 
I, I, f I feel about it today, and I felt about it at the time when it started happening, immensely proud of the people of this country, the indigenous people of this country, and their allies who have stood up to say that they are um, impatient, that they can't take it anymore, that they're mad as hell, and they can't take it anymore. Um, I participated in round dances. I participated in conferences and colloquia. I organized some grassroots uh, discussions and teachings myself when I was at Queen's University. And um, I think that the spirit of it mobilized a popular consciousness of the fact that indigenous rights um, on the, in the transnational conversation in Canada and the U.S. Um, needs to be considered when you take into consideration any sort of sort of uh, environmental impact or any sort of economical adjustment or any sort of bill that takes in the, the, the indigenous people need to speak on. And I, and I love everybody who, who has stood up to do something about it, especially our youth who have been mobilized through social media and Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, um, just contributing to the conversation. It's phenomenal. And to raise awareness about what these kids are doing and what uh, the, the, the four women in Saskatchewan who started on No More, no more what they have done for the program is just, it's just phenomenal. I, I'm so proud of them and I try to chip in any way I can, whether that, that's being at a blockade or a march or a round dance or uh, um, trying to encourage Indigenous presence at the University of Western, which I do for Indigenous services. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So is there any place on the internet where you make yourself known? Uh, well, I am on Twitter at T Fillers. That's that's pretty much it. Unfortunately, I do uh, take part in other. Uh, I don't really take part in that much social media. I'm, I'm generally paranoid of it. Yeah. Is that okay? Can do I you like write a blog or anything? <laughs> I, I have a private blog that I, I don't uh, I don't publish about. So okay. I, don't, I don't promote. I should say I publish, but I don't promote. So so you just you're not internet personality. Uh, no, I mean I think about it the different ways I could get involved. I'm going to be generating my own podcast for Indigenous services called In the Elders Room. We'll be interviewing different players in the Indigenous Studies community. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So we're going to get started in the studio on that very soon as well. So, yeah. Trevor Phillips. Yes. Thank you so much. Hey, appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having show. me. Thank you. Thank you. Coming on and show. happy Louis Riel Day. Yeah, thank yes. you very much. Say magnifique. Hey, nicely done. Thanks. That's all for this week. If you want to send us some feedback, or if you want to come on the show yourself, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Be sure to hook us up on social media. On Twitter, we're at Gradcast Radio, and look up Gradcast Radio also on Facebook. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, the podcast is located at gradcast.podbean.com, and it's on iTunes. And while you're there, why don't you leave us a review? It really helps us out. We'll see you guys next week.